rotating off. And uh, so we'll be replacing them with two that will be nominated from the fellowship and from the membership. So the way in the process that this works is if you are a member and you'd like to nominate someone, you have to put it in a sealed envelope, put your name on the outside of the envelope, because I have to be able to verify that it was from a member of the church. So you can give it that way to me, and then we'll be uh, having some time to meet with those guys before our election, which election will be in, late into February. So I can let this go for about two more weeks or one more week, and then we'll have to draw the line and then move forward from there. I can't tell you how excited I am to share the word of the Lord with you today. I know you say, Pastor Brown, you say that so often, and I mean it every time. I do. I, I, I'm very excited about this study that we have began as we journeyed together with faith, that we just sought a moment to just say, let it be a year of faith. And then when I began to kind of gravitate a little bit towards covenant, when I began to study covenant fresh and new for my own personal uh, communion with God and my relationship with God that I have through Christ, and then to have the opportunity to be able to share with you the things that I believe God has, has taught me through the Word of God and through experience in my own heart and life. I mean, it really is a stimulus for me. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a joy. I feel honored to be able to share. I believe that this is the truth of the gospel. I really do. I believe that this is the... If, if I was to be sent to a, uh, a, a, let's just say, a, a nation of the world where the gospel had never been preached and people had been totally, had never heard the name of Jesus and, and I was going to minister to them those truths, I believe what I'm going to minister to you and the way I've been ministering to you is just, is just as biblically accurate and biblically relevant as if I was presenting the gospel to someone for the very first time. Because you need to know that you're in covenant with God. You need to have that so impressed in your spirit. Because as I've been telling you, it changes two things. It changes your perception of God, number one. And I don't know, that, I don't know if I can couch those words correctly, but you can have the wrong perception of God. You can glean from so many things. And, and uh, so we all form um, perceptions in our heart and mind of what we think or ponder that God is or who he is. And I've told you as I began this that, G, that, that God chose to reveal himself, number one, through the person of his son. The greatest revelation of, the, of, of who the father is we see through the son. He also chose to reveal to us the relationship that we're able to have with the father through covenant. If you study the scriptures from Genesis forward, you'll find the common theme of covenant. We call it, in one sense, in the New Testament, we say New Testament. I've told you that previously, but it's actually new covenant. It's a new covenant based upon better promises because it's been mediated in the hands of Jesus. He's the mediator of a new covenant. And you and I have access points to God we have access ways to God that we previously could not have obtained through the old covenant. Now, with this, that doesn't mean there's no value in the old covenant. When we read, we, we need to read, and we're gonna, we're, that's going to be the heart of my message today. When we read, we read with the awareness that there is a new covenant, and yet there are some things that are obsolete in the old that is fading away. But there's still some things and principles and precepts that we're able to extract and learn from and grow in and actually sometimes literally just stand on. 
Did you know a moment ago when you were singing that song, uh, is actually a, the, the song about mount up with wings as of eagles, that we will run and not grow weary, we will walk and not faint, as extracted from Isaiah chapter number 40. You are literally declaring the word of God through song, declaring your communion with God, the promises of God. I don't know about you, but my youth is going to be renewed, re renewed as the eagles. I'm trusting the Lord, standing on his promises. So I want to ask you to turn to Ephesians, the third chapter today. Today is going to be a unique message in the way I hope to minister it. I'll, be, I'll try to be aware of time. It's a, a, I'm going to do a little bit different. I say that often as well, but that's because I keep things fluid up here. I try to change. I try to adapt. I want to do whatever the Spirit of the Lord lays in my heart when I set my heart to prepare for you. We're going to stand in honor of the reading of the Word of God for six verses here today. This is a text that was, re that was read on Wednesday night as Jason and I taught as we pressed uh, the olives. If you don't know what I'm talking about, then that means you're not coming on Wednesday night or you're not listening on Wednesday night. And so if you're listening or you're coming, then you'll know that we're pressing the olives to get more out of it the second time. And so Jace actually read this text of Scripture, and I'm going to use it as, uh, for, my, for my title today. For this calls, I, Paul, the prisoner of Yeshua Christ for you Gentiles, of Jesus Christ for you Gentiles. If you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, which is given me to you word, how that by revelation he made known unto me the mystery... Why is this important, the words that he says, by revelation? We're reminded that Paul, though is an apostle, did not walk with Jesus as the other 12 did, correct? He met him on the Damascus Road. But sometime following that initial meeting on the Damascus Road, God comes to him by revelation, the Spirit of God, and he makes known unto him a mystery. And you will see this mystery throughout his epistles. As I wrote afore in few words. Now here, the fourth verse, pay close attention. Whereby, when you read. And of course, this is King James. Ye is plural, so he's speaking to all of us. But I'm going to not say when ye read. I'm going to say when you read. We can understand that in a plural sense. That you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ. Which in other ages, it was not made known unto the sons of men. As it is now revealed unto his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. Let me pause there real quickly before we read the sixth verse. So he's simply saying here, well, I've got you standing, I'll bring clarification in a moment. Sixth verse, that the Gentiles, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs and of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ by the gospel. Now that's a powerful word, that sixth verse, but I want you to look back to the fourth verse, which I'm going to title the message today. It says, when you read. I wanna, I've already tried to help you in your, in your English language today to the best of my ability. But now I want to help you read. I want to help you because you need to learn how to read and you need to know what you're looking for when you read. It's very important because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. And if you don't read from the right angle, from the right slant, you can arrive at the wrong conclusion. So let's pray. Ask the Lord to help us. Father, I love you. Thank you for the word of God. Thank you for my privileged opportunity to be able to share. Sister Sherry and I prayed in route, God, and we asked that preaching would come easy in this house. And God, I want to pray it publicly now. 
that, Father, the hearts of the people to be prepared to receive the Word of God. Thank you for every man, woman, boy, and girl that's in this house. Now, ask today in Jesus' name that you will quicken or make alive the Word in their hearts and their minds in Jesus' name. And all God's children said, Amen and Amen. Now, as you're seated, let me put out a couple of thoughts here and before we get back into this text and lead into others. I know in the changing culture of the world in which we live and it, it, that it mirrors often in the church, and there's a lot of changing culture. And you've heard me say this before, and I'm going to say it again. That, and I'm not trying to be critical. I'm just simply saying that this is not our mission, that there are churches and there are pastors that the doctrine that is taught from the pulpit is a very shallow and when that's all you've ever been exposed to when you come into a church akin to ours where we really strive to give you some depth to the Word of God. I'm not here to be a storyteller. I'm not here to be an entertainer. I'm here to teach you the Word of God. Because if you are taught the Scriptures, it will, again, alter your entire way of life. Now, sometimes I, I have information overload. I know that. And I, and, I, and I put a lot of information out. And sometimes, if you're kind of new, it can be a little bit intimidating. But I'm going to tell you this. I would rather strive to take you here by being in a place of spiritual wisdom and understanding and reach down and pull you up than to go to a place of almost biblical illiteracy that we see in the United States today and wallow there so that we live in ignorance of the promises that the Word of God reveals. I want you to read with hope. I want you to then allow hope to become faith in your heart so that you and I can learn to believe God. Now, there's a passage, this verse right here. Now, we've been, I was in Romans 11 last week, and I can't go there completely, but I, I won't, I'll have to touch on it briefly. But as I was ministering about Romans 11, Verse number 17, where it spoke of that you are rooted and grafted into, or that we are, we are grafted into the olive tree and we draw from the root and the fatness of the tree, or we partake of the root and the fatness of the tree. So if you say, Pastor, I really don't know what you're talking about with this, you got to go back and listen to it. That's the good thing about technology, right? You can go online and you can pick this message up from last week and I'll take you into depth. And then Jason and I pressed it again a little bit on Wednesday night. But what I shared real quickly, I can't go back, but I just have to layer a little bit and just kind of build upon it some. So in essence, Paul used the word Gentile in the text we read. So in this sense, Gentile simply means all nations that were not of Jewish, what I always say, ethnicity. I say ethnicity. That one I was wrong on, Aaron. I just want you to know I missed that one. So 99.9%. That's not bad. But that's not a word that I use often. And so with this, but it's important that we know in the mind of the Jew, the, the, there was two people groups. There were those that were Jew that were the descendants of Abraham and that were in covenant with God, and there were the nations. But we understand through Paul's revelation that's given unto him that in this dispensation of grace in which we live now, that, that Gentiles can be brought into covenant fellowship with God. That was the entire heart of the message last week. And as, a, as being grafted in and brought in, that you and I can draw from the root and the fatness of the tree. And we have rights. We have covenant rights as, 
as believers in Christ. And we can stand upon the Word of God. Let me, let me show you this real quickly. And it said in verse number 5 in this text that we read, In other ages it was not made known unto the sons of men. So what that means is, very quickly, when Moses came down from the top of Mount Sinai with the law of commandments in his hand, and then with the word that God gave him that would become the Torah, Moses was not given revelation that there would come a moment in time when all nations of the world could have access to the covenant that he was a part of because he was a descendant of Abraham, but also to the promise of the Mosaic covenant of the Torah that he was presenting to Israel at that particular time. It was obscure from Moses. When Elijah goes to Mount Sinai in the book of First Kings, and there he, he wraps his head in a mantle, and he hears the voice of God in his spirit. Remember, he didn't find God in the fire. He didn't find God in the shaking in the earthquake, but he found God in the, in the still, small voice. That still, small voice did not whisper to him that there will come a day. There will come a moment when this new covenant will be brought and where all the nations of the world can get, be given access to the covenant that you now possess. So Paul said, this was hidden from previous generations. But it is now being made known to and through his apostles and his prophets by the Spirit of the living God. Now, it was progressive revelation. They were learning, and they themselves struggled with it at times, especially we read about the account of the apostle Peter. As he's struggling, and others that we read about of the foundational apostles, that they're struggling to let go uh, of, the, of that mindset where, where the, the, the covenant was entirely to the Jewish people and others, Gentiles, had no access point to it. But Paul is given divine revelation from God that the Spirit of God reveals to him that Gentiles, remember what I told you last week, all who are far off, that's what it said in Ephesians 2, all who are far off are brought near by the blood of Jesus Christ. And you are no longer a stranger or a foreigner. But you are, listen to this, you are a fellow citizen of the saints. And you are of the household of God. And that changes your entire perception of God number one. He's the covenant keeping God. As a matter of fact, when he changed his name, when he changed his name, to, he, no, he didn't change his name, he revealed his name. When he went from revealing himself as Elohim in the Old Covenant, when he said, you've not known my name, Jehovah. He said, what, what is Jehovah? Why is Jehovah important? We, we translate this in the King James as Lord. So anytime that you see that in the King James Lord, it's Jehovah or Yahweh, because that was the covenant name of God. And God was giving that name to the people of ancient Israel so that they would know that they were in covenant with God. God required of the men circumcision of the flesh so that they would know that they are in covenant with God. And I started this series about covenant by reminding you of the failure and the success of the spies who went into the promised land. Does anybody remember that? And I said to you that, that there was a stimulus in the heart of the two men that believed God. And right, that was Caleb and Joshua. 
that Caleb and Joshua, who did not stumble in unbelief like the others did, correct? They did not stumble, but they were strong in faith. They were even allowed access to the promised land where the other ten died by reason of a plague and were not given access to the promised land because unbelief will keep you out of the promises of God, right? But by faith, you can believe God. I told you this. I said there was something in their heart that stirred them to believe God when they were faced with that what could have been an overwhelming task, and that was that they believed that they were in covenant with God, and as a result... If God was for them, it didn't matter who could come against them. Now, I want you to know that you're in covenant with God. Now, I told you again, and I'm, I'm kind of connecting before I take you to where I want you to see when you read here in a moment. And so, let me give you an example of this, if I can, of how important that I believe this was in the heart of the Hebrew people. By a couple of examples. Number one, I want to give you David for just a second. We're all familiar when David comes on the scene in 1 Samuel chapter number 17. Even heathen folk know about David and Goliath. Right? They know the story. But see, it's not just a story to us. It's truth in the Word of God, correct? And, and, it, and it's for us to read and glean from. Why? Because I've said this before. You may not face an actual physical giant in your life. You may not have a man that's nine foot, nine inches tall, that's trained in the art of warfare, that's got swords and shields and a coat of mail and a helmet of brass on his head. You may not have him looking down on you, but I can guarantee you, you will have a giant in your life. You will have a moment in your life. You will have some moment in your life when there's something standing over you that's belittling you, intimidating you, and is threatening to kill you. And the only thing that you need in that moment to be able to withstand, you need the faith that David had to believe God. And I, I've said this, and it's been a long time. I want to remind you, when David came with bread and cheese from his father, remember, when the armies of Israel in those days went out to fight, they went out and they often were camped on different mountains and they kind of yelled back and forth at one another to see if they might intimidate the other one. Goliath walked to the valley, for, uh, valley floor of Elah for 40 days and he cursed the God of Israel and he challenged the men that were in their tents to send one man. He even said, don't send uh, all the army one man. He said, let's just get this on one-on-one. If your man wins, he said, we'll serve you. If I win, you'll serve us. Is anybody familiar with that text of Scripture? But for 40 days, there wasn't a single soldier, not a single trained soldier in the army of Saul courageous enough to leave his tent and go and fight Goliath. But when a young man with the anointing of God upon his life, that's why you need the anointing of God on your life. He had bread and cheese. And he's coming down to present the bread and cheese to the army when Goliath is making his daily appearance. So he's in the valley, David's on the mountain, and David can hear what he's saying. And as David hears what he's saying, instead of being intimidated, righteous indignation rises up on the inside of him. And, and here's what I want you to catch for a moment. How many of you know the end of the story? How many know the end of the story? Five smooth stones didn't take five, it took one. Right? Guided by faith, he launched out of his sling. We know the story. David kills the giant with a sling and a stone, correct? Right? We know that. But what I want you to catch real quickly is when he heard the accusations 
of Goliath those same words that intimidated all the army of Israel when, they, when David heard them, they aroused indignation in his heart, and it also sparked faith. And here's what his response was. He said, listen to this. Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? Now, if you're not careful, you'll read right over that. But when you read with Paul's knowledge in covenant, you'll understand what David is saying. Let me interpret it for you. David, from the place of the mountain amidst the camp of Israel, looked down and he heard the accusation. Here's what he said. I'll interpret it. David said, who is this man that's not in covenant with God? Think he is to challenge the people who are in covenant with God. Now, I'm telling you, church family, when you start living your life, with the awareness that you have a divine right to stand on the promises of God and to read that story not like a fairy tale, not like a storybook, right? This is not SpongeBob SquarePants. This is the Word of Almighty God, and you can draw from the root and the fatness of the tree. So when the, come on now, so when the doctor comes out and says this, and those words belittle you and intimidate you, you can rise up in the name of Jesus and say, I'm a man or a woman of covenant faith in God. And you can say one thing, but God says another in Jesus' name. That's the hope of the covenant that you and I possess. But it takes courage and it takes faith to believe it. And you can even face ridicule. He faced ridicule. David did not just, listen, not just from the Goliath. He faced ridicule from his own brothers. When you, I'm telling you, faith gets easily criticized and ridiculed. But I'm telling you, you've got to make up your mind. Who do you want to be? And how do you want to be pleasing to God? I read in Hebrews eleven six 6 that without faith, it is impossible to please God. Now, I'll give you another example real quickly, and then I've got to, I've got to move along. When you read, how many of you know when you read, you need to read with the right angle? You need to read with the right understanding. You need to read with the right awareness that we have been grafted into the olive tree. That we can draw from or we can take or partake of the root and the fatness. That everything that the covenant gives, everything that it gives, we can receive in Jesus' name. Let me tell you, how's the world going to know? How's the world going to know about the goodness of God? Unless we walk in covenant faith and fellowship with Him through a lifestyle of obedience to his will and his word, reflecting his glory, the light shines into the darkness, and the darkness doesn't overtake it. So sometimes I think, you know, I say, I say to myself in private, I say, I'm always giving these examples about men fighting battle, and I'm not a fighter. I'm a lover. Come on, Sherry. <laughs> I'm not a fighter. Listen, you're built like I was in high school. You didn't pick fights. Partially because I'm not a fighter, but I am very competitive, and I don't know if I would know how to pull off. You can be skinny and fight to the death. So I know that there's a lot of ladies, like, I don't like to hear about all this blood and sword and fighting and all that. I understand. Let me give, well, I'm, this is for the ladies out there today, just real quickly. Just to show you that this is how you should read the Word of God. And I want to tie it to something, because what they did is what you do. 
So let me take you into another passage. It's actually during the days of Judges. It's in 1 Samuel chapter number 1, but it's during the days of the Judges. And so there was a woman by the name of Hannah. Hannah's married, and in those days, the men had more than one woman, more than one wife. But obviously, it wasn't as expensive as it is today. Because we know, never mind, I'm sorry, i gotta get, I got to get in the zone. Stay in the zone, Lee, stay in the zone. We, focus, focus, focus. So he had two wives, but they were adversaries of each other. Why? Because one, Peniel, the scripture says, she had children, but Hannah was barren. Hannah was barren in an era that, that the, the posterity and the prosperity of God was oftentimes measured by the fruit of the womb to a woman. Is that right? And so there's this passage in Scripture when they go up to worship God in the tabernacles in Shiloh in those days. And her husband gives portions to worship and, and as a reward of worship, and he gives more to Hannah than he does to, to his other wife. He really loves her, but she's sad. And then there's this passage in Scripture when she's so sad that she's praying to God. And as she's praying to God, listen to this, as she's praying to God, the priest looks upon her and he thinks because of her movement that she's drunk. And he actually says, why don't you just get up and get out of here and take your wine with you? And, and she said, and she spoke then, and she said, no. She said, don't judge me to be a daughter of Belial, which would be, don't judge me to be one who's not in covenant with God. Because the Bible says that when she prayed, her mouth moved, right? But there were no words. But I'm telling you, there was a groaning in her spirit. Listen, there was groaning and travailing in her spirit. And though the priest Eli couldn't hear what she said, there was a God in heaven who heard every word. And he spoke prophetically through Eli once she confessed and said, I'm not a daughter of Belial. And while by saying that, she's saying, I'm in covenant with God. And so then the priest prophetically says, may the Lord God of Israel, may the Lord, remember that, the Lord, Jehovah God of Israel, the covenant-keeping God, honor your prayer. Now, what do I believe was in her heart that she was praying at that particular moment. I'm going to find it for you in the book of Deuteronomy, chapter number 7. Now, we, I gave them the entirety of the book of Deuteronomy, but uh, just because I'm going to glean from it uh, just in, in a moment of time here. But I want you to see just real quickly, in the 14th verse of the 7th chapter of the book of Deuteronomy, this is my belief that when Hannah... Is bowed before the Lord praying without words being spoken, but she's groaning and travailing her womb. There's a vacuum there, but there's more than a vacuum in her womb. There's a vacuum in her heart, and she's believing God for something. She's tired of coming to the house of God where others have children, and she does not. And she says, God, I've got to have this before the Lord. What's she basing her faith and her petition upon? Because in the Mosaic law, the covenant that God had given to the children of Israel, here was a covenant promise that God said that you will be blessed above all people. And there shall not be one, are y'all out there today? One male or female among you or even among your cattle, glory to God. 
And so it is my belief that Hannah taught us, even now, how that when we pray, we, break, we base our faith and the prayer of our petition, our petition that we make before God, we base it upon a revealed promise from the Word of God. And we hold to it, we groan over it, we travail over it, and we say, dear God, I don't care how long. All I know is you are not a man that you should lie. If you said it, I believe it in God. I will wait in faith and in patience until I inherit the promises of God. That's the people that you've been grafted into. Let me go ahead and show you this here. i got to show you this quickly. I'm going to share with you a barrage. So now I want you to pick up the book of Deuteronomy. And Lori, I'll move fast. If you've got a Bible, we're going to do something. I told you I was going to help you when you read. Is that right? When you read. First, the book of Deuteronomy, chapter number 7. If you brought a Bible, B-I-B-L-E, leather cover, pages that turn and you hear them, turn to Deuteronomy 7. If you say, Pastor Brown, I'm an electronic Christian in today's generation, then you keep your scrolling finger fast. Keep it moving fast. I want you to just catch this real quickly because a few things i got to glean over. I want you to see this because in a moment I'm going to take you into Paul's writing to close this message out. But I'm going to do it in contrast of something and show you that it's very complimentary that the way Paul writes, the way Paul writes to even including us Gentiles grafted into the olive tree is very much akin to some things that you read about in an old covenant. In Deuteronomy chapter 7, the Lord said he would bring you into a land that thou goest to possess. There were seven nations in the land of what we call the land of Canaan that were waiting to defend their property, correct? But God had said it was theirs. Not the Gergesites or the Amorites or the Cellulites. It's none of those. It was actually belonged to the people of God. That's funny right there. I don't care where you're from. <laughs> oh, my gosh. You get entertainment with this sermon. So with this said, real quickly, God begins to tell them. And you can look at this and you can say, well, that's not fair. Let me just tell you, I know we live in a generation where everything's got to be about fairness. Let me tell you, God's not fair. Right? I told Jace this this past week. I said, Jace, I'll remind you, favor ain't fair. And so he reminded me of it this week. He said, Pastor, favor ain't fair. And it's not. If God said, do it, then you do it. Right? And so God was going to remove, God wanted Israel to be his tool of judgment because God had determined to judge the seven nations of Canaan. And he said, the Lord's going to deliver them into the hand. I'm going to glean through it real quickly. And he said, you're going to make no covenant with them and you're not going to show them mercy. And he said, definitely don't marry them and don't give your children to them. That sounds like things that we glean in the New Testament, doesn't it? We're not to be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. Are y'all out there? It says, and thus shall you deal with them, verse 5, break down their altars, break down their images, cut down their groves. For, look at verse number 6. I want you to see this because you got, we're going to see what Paul says in a minute. But look at the sixth verse. For thou art a holy people unto the Lord thy God. The Lord thy God hath chosen thee to be a special people above himself. Abo uh, uh, unto himself, excuse me, above all people that are upon the face of the earth. Now, if you read this without realizing that you're grafted into the olive tree, you will look and you'll say, man, the people of Israel were a holy people and a chosen people. And yes, they are. Or yes, they were. But when you realize you were grafted into the olive tree, you read that and you say, God, I thank God that you chose me. I didn't choose you. You chose me to be a special individual and my family unto you even above all people that are upon the earth. Let's go farther. I love this seven verse. He didn't choose you because you're great in number. He didn't choose me because I could rewrite the English language. 
He simply chose it because the Lord loved you. Can you get that down in your spirit? Can you finally for once get that down in your heart and life that you are loved of God? I can't tell you how many times as a pastor, you say, Pastor, how important is it for you to read? I can't tell you how many times after 30 plus years of preaching the gospel and pastoring for over 25 years when I've seen the same hands go up over and over again to confess their sin or they don't feel like they're forgiven or they don't know if they're saved. Let me tell you, if God said you're saved, you're saved, right? If God says you're loved, you're the loved. You're the beloved of God. Right? There's not anything more that he can do than he sent his son to die on the tree in your stead. Right? You've got to get that. There's going to come a moment when you say, I've got to simply believe God. It doesn't matter how I feel. It doesn't matter uh, what I look like. In that moment, it's simply what he said. I love you. That's what he said to Israel. And he said, the Lord loved you, and he swore unto your, that, he, that he would keep the oath that he kept to your fathers, and he, he would bring you out of the house of bondage, which he did. But look at verse number 9. I want you to see that. Know, therefore, that the Lord thy God, he is what? He is God. Remember Hebrews 11 and 6, right? That when you come unto God, you must believe that he is. If you read closer, all of a sudden, you, to one degree, you almost think you're reading in the same covenant. And in one sense, you are. Obviously, it's a new covenant based upon new promises. But it's a revelation of the covenant God was making with man. Let's go a little bit farther. I love this. He is God, the faithful God, which keepeth covenant and mercy with them that love him and keep his commandments to a thousand generations. Hallelujah. God keeps covenant. I failed at times, but I pray and I repent, but God keeps covenant. Right? I've stumbled along the way, but I found God to be faithful, immovable. Right? His love for me has not changed. And it gives me confidence when I make my petition, not in myself, but in him and what he's promised. Now, throughout this text further here, God just simply speaks blessing, the fruit of the womb, the corn, the wine, the oil, the increase of thy kind. And, and then God speaks about how that he reminds them. I love this. Let's jump ahead real quickly in the 17th verse. He said, if you will say in your heart, how can I know them? And how can I? He said, these nations, he said, if you say in your heart as you're getting ready to take the land, and you said, those seven nations are greater than us, and they're entrenched in their, in their walled cities. And the Lord said, don't be afraid of them. He said, but remember. How many know it's important that you stir up your mind by way of remembrance? Remember. Remember. Don't forget. It's important to remember. Remember what? Remember what God did to Pharaoh and to all of Egypt? Remember all the great temptations of the mighty right hand that he brought you out with? How many know it's important when you read? Are you, kid, are you here? Are you catching what I'm telling you today? When you read, you read because you're being reminded here. He's reminding Israel that you were a bondman. You were in bondage. You could not deliver yourself, but I delivered you. That's what God's telling them. How come that's important? I'll tell you in a minute. And then he goes on. He says, and so you're going to destroy them. God will even say, I'll send a hornet among you. That's another sermon altogether. And, and, and God just simply says, don't make any covenant with them, but be in my covenant. Correct? So now hold that there. Now I'm going to take you to the book of Colossians to close this message out. We're going to go out, as I've said many times, with the barrage. It's important. I could have taken you into Ephesians further, but I've done that more than one occasion. But I want to take you to Colossians. Another epistle written and given to us by the Apostle Paul, correct? When you read, are you out there? I want you to think of when you read. Again, I don't know much about golf, 
But I, I do know this, with the angle that the iron comes down, is the angle that ball's going to protrude. Are you out there? So the angle that you read is going to determine your destination and the perception that you have of God and also of yourself. And I don't try to be, I'm not trying to be the pastor that's drawing attention to yourself, but there are some times that you have to acknowledge the good things that he's done in you through Christ Jesus. You have to. You can't live your life with this downcast sorrow, beating yourself up over and over and over again. That's not the will of God for you. You are the beloved of the Lord if you have faith in Christ. Right? And you should live like that. It's a supernatural work by the power of the Holy Spirit. So remember what Paul said in the book of Ephesians. He said, when you read, he said, I'm praying for you that you will understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ. Correct? So that means that when I read, and he tied that mystery of Christ to the inclusion of the Gentiles. Did he not? Go and study the word mystery in the New, in the New Testament, and you'll find ex, almost exclusively it's tied to this mystery that was once veiled, but now it's being made known to the sons of men. Are you out there? Let's go to Colossians, and let's see if this alters the way we read. Male or female? Hello? Right? Male or female? Those that have, are perfecting the English language, like myself, or those that are struggling with it, like others? Well, I wouldn't know. Does it matter? Does it matter? In this moment right here, when you read, you need to understand Paul's knowledge in the mystery of Christ. I'm going to keep saying it until you get it. When you read, you need to pray, God, let me understand. This knowledge was hidden to the prophets of old. It was hidden to the patriarchs of old. But it's now being revealed to us who are heirs of salvation. Let's read it. We're going to glean through part of this quickly and arrive in the third chapter, and I'm going to close the sermon out. Are y'all out there? I don't know what time it is, but y'all give me a little extra time here. It's 1128. We're doing fine. I, know, I don't want to read what you, I can't read what you were thinking in your heart, but I know that the Lord knew what Sarah was thought in her heart when she laughed. So, be careful. Let's read this together and see if we can, when we read, let's just see what it does for us. We're going, I'm, I got to show you how to read. Does that make sense at all? I've got to. I've got to. You got to change your perspective. You've got to see our Father differently. And then you can't, you can't see yourself like a grasshopper. I've said this before and I'll say it to a new a church. Anybody remember Hee Haw? The older folk does, right? I mean, we remember on a Saturday night, Hee Haw, Buck Owens, and Roy Clark, and Grandpa Jones from Mountain View, Arkansas, right? And then there was always that one moment where they sang this one song. They were laying around uh, the hound dog down there, the coon hound, there's hay bells, and they had the hay, in their, and they were singing about, woe is me, agony on me. If it weren't for bad luck, I'd have no luck at all, right? Listen, I'm not going to live like that. And I don't want you to live like that. I want you to live with the confidence in God. I'm talking Joshua and Caleb tore their clothes because he had the, those that had the spirit of hee-haw on them who just said, we can't do it. Woe is me. We should have never left Egypt. But Joshua and Caleb stood up, ripped their clothes, and said, I'm telling you, if God is for us, we can take the land. That gives you hope. 
and then it springs into faith. That's the people that God's called you to be. Make no mistake about it. God's called you to be a man or woman of faith. Let's read it down. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ. We're going to read fast because I'll read fast. To the saints and the faithful brethren. Right there, you could pause and say, to the saints. That's what God calls you. You call yourself a worm. God calls you a saint. Grace be unto you. Peace from God. Grace be unto I'm reading fast when I should be reading slow. Grace be unto you. Did y'all hear that? And peace from who? God our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. He said, we give thanks to God. Now, as, as we're reading this, don't forget about Deuteronomy 7. Keep that. Just keep it in your heart. Think about it. Maybe you can keep your finger right there in the text of Deuteronomy 7, some of the things that we read. He said, since we heard of your faith in Yeshua Christ and of the love which you have to all saints and for the hope which is laid up for you in heaven whereby you, were, you have heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel. Aren't you thankful for heaven today? I'm grateful. I'll, I, it, despite everything we're going to live, we want to live legacy, we want to live life, but there'll come a moment when we're going to pillow our head in faith, right, and bow our head like Jesus did on the tree. But I'm thankful today for an eternal home preserved for me in heaven, aren't you? Right there. So Paul brings us to that. He says, and this is coming to you as it is in all the world, and it brings forth fruit as it does also in you since the day you heard of it and you knew the grace of God. It's from the day that you heard of it. And he said, he said, you've learned about Epaphras, our dear fellow minister. He's declared unto you, us, your love in the Spirit. And when Paul said, we, we heard about your faith, here's what we did. He said, from the day that we heard about it, he said, we, did, we have not stopped to pray for you. To pray for you for what? Why do we, what's he going to pray for you? To desire that you might be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and understanding. That you say, Pastor, I'm not, I'm just, I'm not, you can be. I think there's a reason why, I'm going to say this. There's a reason why that 30 years ago I didn't go to Bible college. When I could have, but I chose not to. I think there's a reason why that I don't have a, a degree of any kind whatsoever. I think it's so that I can tell people today. Though though, the academic education is fantastic, and I encourage you to go for it. But let me tell you, you can never wait upon somebody else to educate you in the Word of God. That principle that I tell you all the time, why should we do for you what you can do for yourself, still applies to growing in the knowledge of God. You've got to dig these truths out of the minefield of God's Word for yourself. Right, And you can say, God, give me spiritual knowledge of his will and spiritual understanding. Because what? Verse number 10, I want to walk worthy of the Lord. Right? I want to walk worthy. And if I'm preaching and shouting today, get over it. Right? Because I get stirred up. I, I get stirred up because I, I know what I want for you as a pastor. I want you to walk in the wisdom of God and the knowledge of God. I want you to be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might, fully convinced in who he is and what he's done in you through Christ Jesus. I want you to know these things. And look at this further. I want you, let's go on down. I want you to be strengthened. I'm, I'm, I'm just joining my faith with Paul's. Strengthened with all might according to his glorious gospel. I'm going to move those because I don't need them anyhow. Strengthened with all might according to his glorious power, patience and long-suffering with joyfulness. Thanks be unto the Father who's made us meet, made us acceptable to be what? I told you this is not just in one place. It's all throughout Paul's writing. You are made a partaker of the inheritance of the saints in light. You are children of the light, not of the night. 
You are children of the day. You are children of righteousness. You are children of faith. You are His seed in the earth. The world is looking to find God. They'll find Him inside of you as you let the light of His love and His grace and His kindness flow out of you as you live your life for the glory of God. And you're strengthened with all might according to His glorious power unto all patience, long-suffering, and joyfulness. And you're going to give thanks unto the Father and, and, and as you in, uh, partaker of the saints in light. Look at this. Remember what He told Israel? Go back to Deuteronomy 7. Deuteronomy 7, he said, man, when you think you can't overcome, he said, I want you to, remind, I want you to remember what he did in Egypt. Remember what he told Israel? Didn't he tell them that? He said, don't forget what he did in Egypt. When you get down and downcast, let me remind you real quickly. You've been delivered from the power of darkness. Did you hear that? And God translated you from, into the kingdom of his dear son. And here's what you have. You have redemption through his blood. My God, I feel Jesus on that. Even, listen, even the forgiveness of sins. And so when the enemy tries in your mind and, your, and the doubts enter your mind and accuse you of faults and sin, when you know that you're genuinely forgiven by the blood of Jesus Christ, uh, then you are able to silence the voice of the accuser. The last I read, 1 John 2 says that we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And when our adversary wants to condemn us and bring us into condemnation, our advocate stands and reminds us of the blood that he shed on the tree for us, that we were redeemed from the powers of darkness and we've been brought into God's eternal kingdom and to the kingdom of God's dear Son. It gives you the joy that God wants you to have, doesn't it? Amen. And then he goes on down. Let me skip a little bit for just for the sake of time. And look at verse number 21. And you. I mean, like that. That's almost like I remember when I was in TI, when I was in basic training. And I got out of step marching. And the TI stopped us. This basic training. Stop. And the, you just didn't want to look ahead. And he come click, click, click. He stopped at the row. And he looks down the row. And he says, and you, none of us moved. Dear Lord, I hope he's praying, talking to someone else. Finally, I lean forward like that. And you, who are out of step, get in the back and march. And you, what's he saying, and you, what does that mean? And you, Gentiles, that were alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, but now... Are you reconciled to God? Hallelujah. You are reconciled to God. Jump down to the 26th verse. The mystery. There it is again. The mystery. The mystery hidden from every generation. I'm trying to close. Right? The mystery. Paul said 28th verse. We're going to preach. We're going to warn every man. And we're going to teach every man. Because we want to present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. That's my heart today. Nothing has changed. I want to present you holy and beloved unto the Father. Right? A child of God in covenant faith and fellowship with him. Does that make sense? The second chapter, Paul deals with one of the most difficult things that he dealt with in his ministry, and that is the Judaizers. We, I can't go into all of it, but the Judaizers were those who professed faith in Christ, but believed that the Gentiles, they were Jews who professed faith in Christ, but they believed that Gentiles had to keep all the Mosaic law, including circumcision. Paul here affirms in the second chapter that you're circumcised, but not with the circumcision made with hands. Right, But you're circumcised in heart, but you're actually to go one beyond even the heart. You're circumcised by the putting off of the body of Jesus. That Jesus died for you. That was the mark of your circumcision. His death, because you died with him. 
You were buried with him, and you've been raised again to newness of life. That's the hope of the gospel. But we'll, we, uh, for sake of time, so he simply, the, the latter part of this chapter here, of the second chapter, Paul is simply telling you, don't let anybody beguile you. Don't let anybody put you back under bondage when you've been delivered by Jesus Christ as his atoning blood. Right? If you want to look into the law, you want to look into those things, glean from them, but don't let it come over you until it subjects you, right, and brings you under religious bondage. So I arrive at the third chapter, and this is how I'm concluding today. And so then if you're risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above and on things of the earth, not on things on the earth. You are dead, and your life is hid with Christ. And when Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall we also appear with him in glory. Pause right there. Now, as I prepare to close this message, let me fold these things together very quickly. And you notice that I've tried to couch my words very carefully. I'm preparing to close. I want you to know there's an end in the not-too-distant future. But I want you to see this could be the whole, it's very dependent upon right here, when you read. When you read, you've got to read at the right angle. You've got to read with the awareness that you were grafted into the olive tree. And you draw from the root and the fatness of the tree. And you got to, when you read, you read with the revealed knowledge that Paul had. So that you can see it with great clarity. Because I'm telling you, it can be right in front of you and be obscure from you. You can be looking at it in the text and not see it. Are you all out there? You can be listening in here and not hear it. Right? That's how quickly, that's how delicate these things are. But when you get it, it changes you. It changes everything about you. It does. It causes you to, be, I really believe this singular truth can lead you into the fullness that God has for your life. I believe that with all of my heart. You don't have to be downcast. So remember, let's go back for a moment of time to that Deuteronomy 7 passage. We won't go there, but just remember that I talked about battle, warfare, drawing swords, the, 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 the Gergajite and the Hittite and the Hivite. And the Jebusite, all the ites, the seven ites listed in Deuteronomy chapter 7. There was going to take warfare, wasn't it? They weren't going to just lay down their arms and give up their cities. Are you out there? Some things you got to take. Some things that become... And so, so here's for all of you that want that spiritual warfare. So I'm going to take you into spiritual warfare for a moment. So, and so I know that some of you already, all right, my goodness, I'm ready to fight this battle. I'm going to cast down demons and devils and trod on serpents and Satan and Lucifer and that old serpent and the evil one. Uh, that's the enemy. I know that's the enemy that we're going to have to go after. In order to take our promised land, in order to be strong in God, we've got to defeat our adversary, the devil. He walketh about like a roaring lion. I know many of you are thinking, yeah, that's where we're going to go. We're going to wet our sword. So who is this enemy immediately that Paul says, if you're going to be the person person that God's called you to be, if you're going to live in the kingdom of God as a saint in life, who is this enemy? Let's look at it very quickly here in the text. you got to read it with the right lens. Mortify your own members on the earth. Put it to death. Your carnal appetite, fornication, sexual sin, immorality, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence. That's not a word you use every day, is it? But you heard it right here at First Assembly of God. Almost pronounced accurately. And covetousness, which is idolatry. You want to live in the land? You want to walk in the favor of God? Wet your sword and put your fleshly appetite to death every day of your life. 
The same way ancient Israel had to fight out the Hittites and the Girgashites and, and all the Ites, you've got to mortify those sexual appetites that are not being met. They've got to be met in marriage and marriage only. You've got to put down those lusts in your mind, that evil uh, 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 feelings in your heart that can lead you astray. And he said, even farther, let's jump down to, let's go a little bit farther in this, the seventh and the eighth verse. You walked in times past, you lived in them. But then he said, now he said, but I'm not through. You can't be an angry person and be who God's called you to be. you got to put it, are y'all out there? You can't be making covenant with the Gentile or with the with the, uh, the, the ites and be in covenant with God. Don't give me these excuses. That's what Paul, I love this about the Apostle Paul. No excuse. Oh, well, I was this way. You know, I got red hair, so I'm kind of fiery. No, if, listen, if it means you're angry, God is not, God gives you no excuse. Put it to death. Wrath, put it to death. Malice, hate in your heart, put it to death. When you, when you talk, I don't want to hear as pastor, you don't know my job, the people that, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't have to know. I know you're God. Because I know you're like, well, pastor, I'm in this environment, and I just kind of absorb. No, you're to be light. You ought to be intimidating other people around you because of the glory of God inside of you. Right? Yeah, they can say what they want to, but that doesn't mean you have to repeat what they say. You don't have to absorb it into your subconsciousness and then you find yourself cursing like a, everybody else. He said, don't let this filthy communication be out of your mouth. Why? Because greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world because you're a man or a woman of covenant. Why is that important? Because if you're going to inherit the promises of God, you've got to believe that what you say comes to pass. And when you're speaking filthy communication out of your mouth, you're cursing what God wants you to sow in faith. Man, that's good right there. I could just preach on and on. Go further. Twelfth verse. Let's go right here. Now I'm going to close. Daryl, join me. That'll make, or no, is it Aaron? Who is it today? There's two. I have two awesome individuals to call up here. Put on therefore. Put on therefore. Put on therefore. Read it with me. When you read, I understand my knowledge in the midst. Paul's right here. Paul's right there. Flip back. I have to. I'm sorry. I have to. Flip back to Deuteronomy. Say, I know it's late. I know you ch the football game doesn't kick till 2. I'm not going to go that long. Right? Deuteronomy 7. Flip there real quick. Hold to it. The children of Israel. Go to the 6th verse of Deut Deuteronomy. Real quickly. If you would. For thou art a holy people unto the Lord thy God. The Lord thy God hath chosen thee. To be a special people unto himself. You believe that to, to ancient Israel? God meant it to the, the inheritance of the promises, right? Now read, as Paul said, I hope you understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ. Put on, therefore, as the elect of God. Do your own Google search. Do your own blue-letter Bible search. Elect. Simply means one word that's easier for us to identify with, chosen. Chosen. Are y'all catching what I'm saying? We read oftentimes the stories of ancient Israel and the covenant promises, and we, we are so in awe. And then we think that we're second-class citizens in the kingdom of God. Paul said, if you will understand my knowledge in the mystery of God, it will change every part of your life. You'll make no excuses. 
you'll put to death the areas of your flesh. I don't care how many people in your I don't care how many people in your family used to look at pornography. You don't need to. Are you out there? Because that's that's the sexual fornication, right? I don't care how many people in your family used to be filled with malice and hate and they blasphemed and they cursed and they made dirty jokes. That's not the will of God for you. Why? Verse 12, you're the elect of God. You are chosen by God to be holy and beloved. Can you not read those together? Deuteronomy 7, 6. For thou art a holy people unto the Lord. You're chosen. You're a special people. And God set his love upon you. Seventh verse. Deuteronomy 7. And now the apostle Paul writes to Gentiles that have been grafted in. And he says, you're the elect of God. You're chosen by God. And you're holy and you're beloved. Get it down in your spirit. It will change everything about you. When you read, bowels of mercy... How many of you know you can be merciful? You can be merciful. Say, Pastor, can I do these things? God told Israel you can take walled cities. God tells you that you can walk in forgiveness. Verse 13. Let me say that one more time. You, by the power of the Holy Spirit, can do things the world cannot do. The world cannot forgive people that really hurt them. But you can, can't you? You can because of the grace that works inside of you. Why is that? Because you're different, because you're chosen, because you're elect, because you're in Christ, you're beloved, you can be gracious, you can give. Look at this. Let's read it down. Closing. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another, psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatever you do, every part about you, every part of your person, what do you want to do? I want to do all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Why is that? Why is that? Because that name tells me I'm in covenant with God. When I pray in the name of Jesus, what I'm saying is, God, I'm in covenant with you through Christ. I am in Christ, and therefore, can y'all catch what I'm saying? That's really what it's saying. I know I'm giving you information overload, and I know your head's about to explode. But I'm telling you, if you will think on these things, ponder these things, then I'm telling you the path for your future will be greatly altered. You don't have to repeat the mistakes that have been made previously in your life or made by others. You're destined to live different. You're destined to be different, to be who God's called you to be. And I honestly believe that when you read, you need to read with the understanding that Paul had. You're grafted into the olive tree. You draw from the root and the fatness of the tree. Families can change. Did y'all believe? I believe that. I mean, I'm talking about, we live in an addicted society, don't we? I mean, people struggle with addictions. And we we, we give uh, uh, hundreds of dollars, perhaps even thousands of dollars annually to ministries that, that, that help people through their addictions. And... I just want people to know, and I'm just using that as one example. I don't believe that you have to always be an addict. I just don't believe that. I don't believe I have to walk around confessing. Here's what the world tells you to say. The world tells you to say, I'm an alcoholic. The world says, uh, I'm, I'm an addict. The world says, think, say those things. Say that. Acknowledge that. Here's what I'm telling you to think. I was an alcoholic. I was formerly an alcoholic. 
I was previously addicted to drugs, but now in Christ Jesus. I was way off, but now been brought near by the blood of Jesus. My heart was bound in hate. I hated my father. I hated my mother. I hated my family. But now the love of God's been spread abroad in my heart. And now I release them. I have the power to forgive because I've been forgiven. Right? Only the elect of God can do that. But when you read, you better understand Paul's knowledge in the mystery of Christ. Our heads are bowed, our eyes closed. We're going to do a twofold thing this morning today. Very important. I know I preach loud. I know I make a lot of noise. Sometimes I spit. I'm just being honest. I know all those things. And I know that it can be a little bit intimidating at times. But I want you to know today it's born of two things. It's born of sincerity, number one. I sincerely believe what I'm preaching. I believe it with all my heart. I'm not just, I'm not saying, this is not copy and pasted. This is the, the sincerity of my heart. I really believe that when you have the knowledge that Paul is referencing here, spiritually revealed by the Holy Spirit, every part of your life will begin to change. The way you think, the way you act, the way you talk, the way you relate. Are you hearing me today? Forgiveness will be easily given because it was readily received. I believe that. Number two, I am the way that I am. I'm fervent. I'm sincere and fervent. I'm passionate about these things because I know them to be true. I know them to be true. They've been, they've been proven in my own life. They've been proven in the life of the testimonies of the people that are around me. The only difference between me and people that are listening, by many of the which are listening to me today, is I have a microphone. That's the only difference. I have a microphone. They have a testimony. There are people under the sound of my voice that could easily stand up today and say, Pastor, I, wanna, I could testify. I know what it's like to be in that bondage of addiction. I know what it's like to be bound by unforgiveness. I know what it's like to be hurt by people that, that in and of myself I could not forgive them. But when the glory of God came into my life, everything changed. So that's the only difference. And so from my place of uh, of, of being a pastor, I'm taking the fervency that I have in my heart because not everybody among us shares that testimony yet. But you can. You can. I'm going to pray a two-fold prayer with you today. Number one, if you're here today and you say, Pastor, I'm being honest. I'm not, I'm not fully I'm acknowledging today, I'm not in the kingdom of God. I know about the kingdom of God. I know about the Lord. But man, you're talking about fellowship and communion. And I, I, I don't really think I've experienced that, Pastor. I've not experienced having my sins forgiven. I, I don't really don't even know what that's like. I confess, but I don't know what true forgiveness is. If that's you today, I'll pray with you right where you're at if you'll raise your hand. If that's you. If there's anybody under the sound of my voice today. If there's anyone, anyone, maybe somebody watching on Facebook right now. Did y'all know through the course of the week, 200 plus people will watch our Facebook Live? Sometimes double the amount of people than what we have here on church on Sunday. So somebody could be watching this and saying, Pastor, I've never experienced truly the forgiveness of God in Christ. How many know that would be an important thing for them to receive today? To receive that. Number two, 
So in our congregation, not anybody raised their hand. Wasn't anybody that raised their hand to that. Number two, it's a simple prayer. We're going to pray it corporately in a moment by standing in just a moment. Who here would say, Pastor, would you pray that when I read, I understand Paul's knowledge in the mystery of Christ? If that's you, slip your hand up today. I see hands going up all across the building and rightfully should. Rightfully should. Won't y'all stand up today all across the building? We're going to pray. Let's be in a spirit of prayer right now. It's right about 10 minutes till noon. It's a two-hour worship service. It's longer than some in the contemporary generation that we live in today. But I make no apologies for it. You need to know these things. I'm going to pray with you right now. I want to pray that your faith will be stimulated. Number one, I want to ask you. Let's pray right now. Number one, I want to ask you to pray that maybe somebody who has never repented and never accepted Jesus Christ, that God, that whether they're here and were under, or they were afraid to raise their hand, or whether they're watching on Facebook, God, whatever it is, I pray, Father, for them to receive authentic and genuine forgiveness as they repent of their sins and they put their faith in Christ. I pray for them today with all my faith that I have. Number two, those of you You know who you are. You raised your hand. You said, Pastor, would you pray with me? It's a simple prayer. Let's pray it together. Let's let our hearts be pliable before the Lord. God, when we read, I want to pray it with you, not for you. I want to pray it with you. God, when I read, when I read, let me understand Paul's knowledge in the mystery of Christ. God, lift the veil. Open the veil, God. Raise it so I can see. Difficult passages, God, let me think on them and meditate on them until the light shines, until truth comes. Father, when I read, let me understand that I'm a fellow citizen with the saints and I'm of the household of God. Every time, Father, that I read, In the New Testament epistles, let me understand Paul's knowledge in the mystery of Christ. Listen to this. Now, I'm not through praying. I pray as long as I preach. So listen real quickly. Listen. When you pray, you're praying and you say, God, whatever measure of knowledge that you want to give me, give me. Whatever measure of understanding that you want to give me, then give me. Whatever treasure of wisdom that you want to give me, then give me, God, in the knowledge of the mystery of Christ. And as I read, not just Paul's writing, but as I read the rest of the Word of God, let me read it through that lens. Let me read the Torah, the law, let me read the prophets, and let me read the writings and the gospels. As I do, let me read it through the lens of understanding given to me because I prayed a simple prayer on the third Sunday in January, third or fourth, I prayed a simple prayer with a bunch of other people that I was in covenant with, and I prayed, God, when I read, let me understand. And when I do, I truly believe. And when you do, I truly believe there's marvelous works and marvelous treasures that are going to be revealed to you. Marvelous grace 
wonderful things God's going to show you. The treasures of God's love, his goodness towards his people, his mercy and his kindness towards you. And it's going to change every part about you. It's going to alter the course of your life. It's going to help you to be that person God's called you to be. I bless the people today. Now, Father, I bless them as their pastor. They gave me two hours of their time, and I so honor them for this today. And I probably preached an hour to them today, twice that of a television evangelist. But, God, I make no apologies for it because I want them, when they read, to understand Paul's knowledge in the mystery of Christ. And I bless them with that knowledge in Jesus' name. And all God's children said, amen and amen and amen. Listen, I want to ask you to love one another. I want to ask you to shake somebody's hand.